they're doing this, they're spreading these words by demonically possessing printers, normally used to print out receipts at checkout. So demonically. Imagine... Can, you, can, can you just explain that use of... Demonically. That well, adverb. I just don't understand. Yeah, well, it's it's a bit like it was demonically possessed. Okay, they're not really. They're just hijacking it, right? They're... Right. Smashing Security, episode 255, Revolting Receipts, a Twitter Fandango, and Shopkeeper Cyber Tips, with Carol Terrio and Graham Cluley. Hello, hello, and welcome to Smashing Security, episode 255. My name's Graham Cluley. I'm Carol Terrio. And this week we're joined by a special guest, someone who hasn't been on the show before. Dun, dun, dun. It is the founder of Code Like a Girl and VP of R&D at Arctic Wolf. It is Dinah Davis. Hello, Dinah. Hi. I am like super pumped to be here. I listen to your show all the time. And I kept thinking to myself, oh. I would have so much fun with them on this show that I'm so glad you invited me to come. I'm really excited about it. Well, well steady on. Steady on. <laughs> don't, Wait, Graham, don't she's not flirting to, with you. No, don't expect <laughs> to be that much fun. Right. Don't worry. It's going to be fun. I'm here now. <laughs> I'm here too. And Dinah's here. Shall I leave? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Shall we thank this week's sponsors first, 1Password and Uptix. It's their support that help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Oh, I've got grumpy people. Grumpy people at work. <laughs> and Dinah, what about you? Uh, I want to talk about how to keep your small business safe online during the holiday season. Okay, good, because I am talking about Twitter's new privacy feature and how it bites them where the sun doesn't shine. All this and much more coming up on this episode of Smashing Security. Now, chums, chums, have you ever had a terrible, appalling, ghastly job? Yes, Mm -hmm. definitely. A job where you didn't feel that you were being properly appreciated, perhaps? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. Anything you'd like to talk about? Any current jobs that you want to <laughs> co-host on a security podcast? No, I love that? my co-host. I love oh, my co-host. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Well, pity the 900 employees of mortgage company Better.com oh. who were last week fired somewhat unsympathetically via a Zoom call. Thank you for joining. Um... I come to you with not great news. This isn't news that you're going to want to hear, uh, but ultimately it was my decision and I wanted you to hear from me. It's been a really, really challenging decision to make. I've, this is the second time in my career I'm doing this and I do not, do not want to do this. The last time I did it, I cried. Um, this time I hope to be stronger. If you're on this call, you are part of the unlucky group being laid off. Your employment here is terminated effective immediately. I wish you all the best of luck. Thank you for everything you've done for better. That is not very warm. No. It's not very sympathetic. It's not very sympathetic, is it? No. I have seen people get fired with about that much care, though, in my previous yeah. life. But, uh, Do you think it's worse face-to-face at being treated like that or via Zoom? Face-to-face would be way worse. Because you have to get dressed. <laughs> yes. So this became sort of viral. You know, People were sharing this video left, right, and center. And the company said that the layoffs had been gut-wrenching, especially at this time of year. So... Pity them. You know, they must have had a terrible time. Can I make one um, comment, though, just to make sure? It is edited, that little video. There's a lot of stuff taken out of the. Video. Oh, well, they mostly took out the, the swear words of the person reacting. So they oh, just really? got to the juicy bits. Yeah, there are other versions. Fuck you! <laughs> yeah. The terrible thing about a Zoom call is that uh, I, I, some people like to make themselves presentable before they go on a Zoom call, don't they? So they have a shower and comb their hair and put some makeup on. What a waste if and, you're going to get fired. <laughs> and then you're told. Get stuff. Yeah. Why did I brush my teeth again? (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> anyway, the company said this was a gut wrench and they said it was a terrible thing for them. You know, they, they, they really didn't enjoy it at all. Mm. But it later emerged that the CEO had claimed that at least 250 of those people who'd been terminated were stealing from the company because some people apparently were working two hours per day, but actually claiming to have worked eight or more hours oh, per day. The question is, how do you know, Mr. CEO? Yeah, that's the same question Surely. I have. Yeah. Mm. And this wasn't the first time the CEO of Better.com had taken a swing at his employees. The same chap, he emailed employees in November 2020. And what he said to them was, you're a bunch of dumb dolphins. Dumb dolphins get caught in nets and eaten by sharks. So stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. You're embarrassing me. Dumb now, dolphins? <laughs> Where does that even come from? What, did, what were we called? We were called? We were called monkeys, weren't we? We were our CEO. Monkeys, yes. We were called we were called monkeys. While sometimes he would lie on the ground and bleat like a sheep by your desk if he thought you were wasting time. And he carried Fijian instruments of torture around yep. with him as well, didn't he? Yep. He was a strange yeah. Oh my god. But um, <laughs> now just to remind you, better.com, they they sell mortgages and things. So quite why he's employing dolphins dumb or otherwise to do the job is a, a, a bit of a mystery to me. Haven't you um, heard how cool AI is? Like you don't really need people anymore. Well, and dolphins oh, are really okay. smart. I mean, they are really smart. Yeah. Oh yeah. So long and thanks for all the fish. But compared to who though, co- dolphins are smart. Like compared to your average person. Hamsters. Um, no, like your dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dogs can do amazing things. I've seen dogs on skateboards, dogs driving cars. Dogs uh, saving mm-hmm. people in, you know, in perilous conditions. Dogs getting dressed up in nice suits. <laughs> Using a knife and fork. Yes. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> so, yeah, don't be so doggist, Dinah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. It's good, Graham. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Right. Anyway, yeah. uh, on with the story. <laughs> um, so this made me think about uh, some of the bad jobs I've had over, over the years. and. Uh, did you ever feel you've been underpaid? Wonder how much cash your co-workers were making? Uh, and then you kind of think, oh, but do I ask them or not? Because it's going to feel bad if they're making more, but it's also going to feel bad if they're making less than me. And you're sort of in this quandary. Question. Did mm. you ever feel that someone was making more than you? Um, <laughs> yes, some people, yes. Really? Yes. Right, the CEO, CTO. Yeah, and some VPs, other, yeah. a few VPs. I remember at one company that shall remain nameless, where the um, HR department left a spreadsheet <laughs> of everyone's salary on a publicly shared drive oh. uh, for anyone to access, which was a very valuable asset when it came to salary negotiation. Actually. I remember a company that shall remain nameless that had an HR meeting discussing everyone's salary with name and the amount of money they were going to get at that new year and did Ooh. it in a meeting room that wasn't, um, shall we say, soundproof. Oh, And a particular employee was next door taking notes. Well, have you ever had your bosses discuss your salary in front of you? Going through everyone's salary in the group. Oh, yes. Going through everyone's salary in the group and then realizing they didn't take you off this list to be discussed. And then instead of just skipping and not discussing that, just going full force and having a negotiation in front of you of how much you should get paid. That actually happened to me once. You see, I feel though, I feel community. I feel that I'm not alone anymore. Well, it is about community, Crow. There is on Reddit a subreddit called Anti Work, not to be mm-hmm. confused with Anti Woke. And Anti Work, it describes itself as a community. Oh, for those I get who it. Want- <laughs> get a community it. for those who want to. <laughs> A community for those who want to end work, are curious about ending work, want to get the most out of a work-free life, want more information on anti-work ideas, or want personal help with their own jobs or work-related struggles. Now, mm-hmm. I've checked out this subreddit, mm-hmm. and it's rather interesting. It's it's clear a lot of people aren't terribly happy with their jobs at the moment, or they're, how they're being treated. They'd like more money, more respect, just to be treated like human beings. In fact, there are 1.2 million members of this uh, subreddit where they're mm-hmm. posting jokes and memes, and uh, you sound like a granddad. <laughs> what, 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 
going. It's fine. <laughs> 1.2 million members. Yeah, there's well, that's loads, quite a lot. It's the fourth. Think? Well, it's the fourth most popular website um, in the world, according to Miko. Yes, but the this other is day. just a bit which is called anti-work. I just I found well, it surprising. A lot myself. of people work, and a lot of people aren't happy. Anyway, carry on. You're doing right. great. And uh, generally, people are grumbling, perhaps quite rightly, about their jobs, their wages, but they're also rallying the masses. They're saying, you know, we need union representation. We need to be part We need to fight for our right mm-hmm. of a I, decent wage. Nothing. Yes, <laughs> I agree with that. Anyway. So this fight, this battle is now taking place digitally across devices, because what has happened in recent days is that hackers have been targeting poorly paid workers and trying to recruit them with anti-work manifestos, basically saying, come on, all you've got to lose are your chains. Come on, rise up, battle against your bosses. And they're doing this. They're spreading these words, not by doing an airdrop, not by dropping things from a helicopter above people, but instead demonically possessing printers normally used to print out receipts at checkout. So Demonically. Can you, can, sorry, can you just explain that use of Demonically. that well, it's, verb? It's, I just don't understand. Yeah, well, it's it's a bit like it was demonically possessed. Okay, they're not really. They're just hijacking it, right? They're, they're right. sort of exploiting the receipt printer. So if you were somebody who worked in a sort of customer service role where you took a payment for something and then said, would you like your receipt? Your receipt machine would start spitting out. It would spit out messages like this. It would say, riddle me this. How can McDonald's in Denmark manage to pay their staff $22 an hour and still sell a Big Mac for less than in America? Answer, unions. Did you know it is rather simple task to organize a union? So this would come out on the receipt? On the receipt. So the receipt print, you know, that cheap bit of paper. And then there's a link to the Reddit subgroup. And it's not just that message. There's oodles of other <laughs> just, messages as well. I just, I just love the, do you want a receipt, sir? Yeah, yeah, no, I do. Uh, no, I'm not giving it to you. Give me my fucking receipt. No, you can't have your receipt. Why? I, I can't tell you why. Like, yeah, beautiful. And so there's all kinds of different messages, but they're all promoting this subreddit and saying, go and join it. And then you can join the community. Life is short, they say. Time is your most valuable asset. And so, you know, what are you doing to make sure that you have a decent life? Stop working for slave wages, they're saying. Mm. So people are getting these messages on the receipts in front of them and they're thinking, that's funny. And then they go on to Reddit and check it out and say, what on earth is this that's just appeared? Brilliant. And so they're joining the subreddit. So the subreddit is growing in popularity. And mm. some people are saying, look, you know, I find this amusing, but my, what I really find funny is my boss, who's unhappy that this thing keeps on getting printed out and that we're beginning to talk more about our wages and oh, salary. Can you imagine? So question, who's behind this? Uh, who's the one driving all this? Oh, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> Mm. Is it someone who, who's very keen on the anti-work movement or is it a Joe job? Is it trying to damage the anti-work subreddit by bringing it into controversy? Yeah, I don't even know what the goal but like, is. Also, like if, you, if you're thinking about like how things are politically motivated, is this like a nation state trying to help destabilize, you know, like oh. businesses in, in, in the US, right? I think I've been reading too many cybersecurity books, but. <laughs> well, I have a theory, which is maybe it is the uh, salesmen who sell the receipt paper. <laughs> Probably don't make that much out of it. So the right. more. Double, that gets double. Used, yeah, yeah. Double, double. Double ply. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah, the good stuff, the quality stuff. Wilted. Dinah. Yes. What have you got for us this okay, week? Okay. So do either of you know when the first e commerce transaction happened online? Any ideas? Ooh. Ooh. I'll say after 2010. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know. I have no idea. 1990. Is it, is it pre the invention of the World Wide Web? No. No. So, so it was actually on HTML signed sort of web page rather than yep. something a bit more nerdy. Okay. So We're going with August 2001. Mid 90s. <laughs> okay, Graham, you're, you are closest. So August 12th. 1994. 
So yeah. So Phil Brandenburg of Philadelphia bought the CD 10 Summoner Tales by Sting. Either of you have that? I know you're a bit older than me. You might have oh, it. That, is such a, that is such a cruel indictment on the world. <laughs> to think that the first online purchase was a ruddy Sting yes, LP. Yes, it was. He turned into a tantric sex lover. Oh, <laughs> oh there he is with his little mandolin. Or he got married. He, did he ride in onto his wedding on a white horse? Oh, he's such a poser. <laughs> I cannot stand Sting. Yeah, but come on. The, the police were great. The police were great. <laughs> there you go. They, the police yes, were good, uh, yeah. But I mean, it, oh, imagine a supergroup made of Michael Bublé <laughs> and Sting and Piers Morgan and Bill Devo. And then it, Tom Hanks leading the group. Oh, oh. <laughs> just. Okay, so. Horrendous. So anyway. So anyway. Sorry, Dinah, are you a Sting no, fan? Have we I am definitely re- not. Okay, no, good. not at all. Okay, okay. I was very, I was actually, I read that when I was doing the research and I went, Really? <laughs> That was the first thing. <laughs> Couldn't we have done but who better did than he that? Buy it off? <laughs> so this is the fascinating thing. Who did he buy it off? Someone created an online store to sell Sting LPs. Well. And suddenly, whoa, we've actually had someone who's poor. Wife. <laughs> he was big back then. There were tons of people that loved that shit. <laughs> well, apparently his friend Dan Cohen did. Because that's who Phil bought it from. And they they did it on a Unix machine loaded with an X Mosaic browser. And they used PGP, uh, or pretty good privacy, whoa, encryption. You see? Very good. Well, I think that's, that's pretty impressive. good. Yeah. Well done them. They seem to mm-hmm. like they did it in a secure way rather than just sort of yep. you know, emailing <laughs> their credit card numbers through yeah. or something. So they were actually trying to start an online store. And that uh-huh. online store um, is called netmarket.com. And I kid you not, that store is still up today. No. Yeah. I went and looked at it. It looks like it's still from the 90s, but like I went through, you can add uh-huh. things to the cart. I didn't I didn't go so far uh-huh. as to actually try and buy something because I was a little bit skeptical about it. But here it is. I'm on it right now. Do you know what? I love, I think there should be a revival of old websites. I love mid-90s, late 90s websites so much because they were so clear. Like Lycos no. web pages or the marquee effect. Do you remember marquee or blink, the blink tag, <laughs> yeah. which would blink text at you? Neon in neon green. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay. I love it. So at the time, New York Times classified it as the first retail transaction on the internet using a readily available version of powerful data encryption software designed to guarantee privacy. And the Mm. author of PGP, Phil Zimmerman, was like, this is an important step towards the creation of digital cash. And and look at that. Now now we're here, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So, what do you think the total e-commerce sales were for 2020 in in about in US dollars? For a Sting LP. Um, no, no. For everything, everything just right? complete, for everything. complete oh, for e-commerce everything. sales 2020. Oh, I'm saying billions, 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 billions. I'm going to say one trillion dollars. How about 4.28 trillion dollars? <laughs> What is that? What wow. is that? What is U.S. debt at the moment? No, but it's probably yeah, it's probably I bet it's close than that, I don't, or less than that even. Yeah. So, and and this was up a trillion, almost a trillion from 2019, and the sales projected for 2021 are about 4.9 trillion dollars. So, this is crazy, right? Yeah, I think it's all down to pets. People got a lot of pets during the <laughs> pandemic, and you know, you need if you have a cat, you need that stuff that they pee in, whatever it's called, yeah, like the cat, cat litter. whatever. The cat mm-hmm. litter and, you know, dog leashes, <laughs> dog food. It's all the pets. Hamster stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the holidays are upon us, right? Um, and like, I am definitely guilty of, of shopping online. Like, I, I think I've done 90% of my Christmas shopping already online. What about you guys? Um, I've decided that I'm going to be the gift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I can't, you know what I was, I had to go do um, a PCR test because I'm going to be traveling soon. And I went there. That's a nice Christmas present. It's, right. Cause it's freaking expensive. Well? <laughs> yeah. And I have to do four for this travel I'm going to do like literally. Oh. And that's a lot. Anyway. So, and I'm in this um, mall, uh, you know, and uh, everyone's scream buying stuff and I couldn't get into it. I don't, I, yeah, I don't think I'm doing Christmas this year. I want to do it with love. 
All right. Well, well, I have a child, so that's not an option. Um, <laughs> uh, uh-huh. I got yeah. you, Dinah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nieces and nephews. So, so, so it's definitely yeah. happening. My niece has like five presents. Yes. Of course. Everyone else can fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> so here's the thing. When we get to this time of year, we hear all things about what, you know, people can do to help keep them safe online while they're shopping. But what we don't hear a lot of is what can small businesses do? Because there's like, you know, almost $5 trillion up for grabs, right? So small businesses want to get online. They got to sell stuff. You know, they want to sell their soap or their handmade jewelry, or maybe curl one day you want to sell your paintings. And, uh, you know, you, you need to sell that in a safe way, right? So I thought I would talk a little bit about the things that small businesses could do to make sure that they stay safe Uh, during the holiday season. I like that. It's about time we had some helpful (laughs) advice on this podcast. I agree 100%. Some top tips. There we go. So according to the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, 50% of small businesses fall victim to fraud at some point in their business life cycle. And it costs them on average about $100,000 US, right? So that's a lot. And there's kind of two main ways small businesses get attacked. The first is the account takeover. So maybe um, the attacker will go to your customers, try and do some phishing attacks and take over their accounts and then make fraudulent purchases, right? And the store is then Mm. left in the lurch having to pay pay for these purchases because, you know, the credit card companies refunded the other person back and they have to carry the cost, Mm. right? And then Mm. the second is identity theft, right? So hackers hack into the company database, steal the usernames and passwords. But like both of these attacks lead to financial and reputational impacts for the the small businesses. And not good impacts. Yeah. No, not good ones either. So no. Okay, so here are the tips. So one, make sure your website's using HTTPS, right? You've got to ensure all communications on your site are secure. Yeah. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's a basic step, but not always used. Um, second, if you're a really small business, don't try and implement all of this yourself, right? You don't. Right. Yeah. You don't want to hold credit card information. So you want to go and look for an e-commerce platform. But the thing is, there's a few different ones out there, right? Like there's, there is a large market for this now. Um, so things to look for when you're choosing an e-commerce platform. Um, so do they use the um, address verification system or AVS? So do they check the billing address against the address on file of the credit card company? Do they require the uh, CVV or the card verification value? Are they PCI mm-hmm. compliant? What data do they store from your customers? Um, what responsibility do they have if your client data is breached? Like what, what do you get for this? And, and, uh, Carl, you're going to like this one. You got to really make sure you read the T's and C's before signing up. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one, Donna. That's how Carl's spending most of her Christmas holidays is reading terms and conditions. She knows how to have a good time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Well, you know. About to have a family party, so definitely contracts are required. (laughs) (laughs) So outside of the e-commerce site you're using, don't don't store sensitive user data, Um, right? Only collect what you need for transactions and and nothing else, especially credit card information. That's bad. If you get caught with that, you know, it's a violation of PCI and there can be fines. But the biggest thing to remember here is hackers cannot steal what you don't have right? So only get what you absolutely need. And then approximately 71% of merchant loss can be attributed to friendly fraud. So to help you not be affected by this, you can ensure there's proper notation of charges on your customer credit card statement. So the more information that's on the customer credit card statement, the better it can match up to what was actually sold. And it'll help you as a business when the credit card comes in and says somebody's disputing a charge, right? Okay. So friendly fraud is when what, like you purchase something and then there's a dispute or yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know yeah, that term. Exactly. Um, and then you want to make sure you're also using tracking numbers for every order that is shipped um, so that you have proof of delivery. I mean, this is also how some of the other side of the fraudsters work where they ship you something crappy and then you're like, I didn't get it. And they're like, yeah, you did. You got this tiny little piece of crap. Uh, but for you as a business, this is a, the right way to go. And then, of course, get a list of the chargeback codes. Like anytime somebody is saying, no, this isn't 
what I wanted, or I'm, I'm, I'm trying to dispute this purchase, make sure you get the chargeback code so you can really see what the credit card company is saying. Uh, one more really good one is consider setting limits, right? So based on your orders and your revenue trends, set limits for the number of purchases or total dollar value that you will accept from one account in a single day. Right. So you don't get hit by somebody like going crazy, buying a whole bunch of your things and then you shipping them out. And, uh, then it's like they, they, they refuse to say that that was theirs. And then they, you're, you're on the hook. Right. Mm. Oh, that's mm, interesting. Mm, mm. Cause I mean, there, there are people I know who possibly their purchasing behavior online would look like a crazy kind of attack. You would, you would think this must be a bot who is ordering everything in every size imaginable to be delivered. And then they'll return anything that they decided they didn't like or didn't fit properly. Mm-hmm. It must, so, so companies actually do put some kind of limit, do they? That's yeah. encouraging to know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is seriously good advice, guys. Like, I, you may want to have to listen to it one or two or three times. <laughs> like, of course it's good advice. It's the Smashing Security Podcast, Crow. It is. Who's offering good advice? What do you like? Yes. No, Dinah's offered good advice. Crow, what have you got for us this week? We are entering Twitter land. Now, um, I'm not a big Twitter follower, but Graham, I know you are. Yeah. Dinah, do you do the Twitter stuff? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. I'm yeah. actually super glad that you both do that because I'm talking about Twitter and I know nothing what I'm talking about. So you can call me out. Uh-huh. So you guys and many of our listeners probably know that about a week ago, Twitter announced new privacy rules. It was going to allow the takedown of pictures of people that were posted without that person's permission. So, for example, if I were to find a video or a picture of you, Mr. Cooley, at one of my famous, you know, pre-Rona parties in the noughties, where you dressed up as a naked sumo wrestler, (laughs) basically a plastic onesie with a fan inside to inflate your size. (laughs) And I took a video of this secretly. And then I slapped that up on the Twitters. Right. You could ping Twitter and say, oi, remove the evidence. I have not approved. Hang on. Are you saying Twitter would look at these this video footage of someone who appeared to be a sumo wrestler and think, yep, that's grown clearly all right. We can take that down. Sl- yes, interesting. Slightly insulting. Insulting, <laughs> actually. <laughs> Thank you. So, so the new policy basically states that photos or videos of private individuals that are posted without their permission will be taken down at their request. Now, say you're chilling on Twitter as you do. Yeah. Right? And you see that someone posted a pic of you, Graham, taking What's a number it? two in a U.S. bathroom stall. Yes. Remember? Right. Um, thanks a lot for that mental image, Carl. <laughs> well, it happened. Graham was having a, 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 a quiet business meeting in a bathroom stall, <laughs> which is what my sister-in-law calls it. And I absolutely adore that. So I'm off for a business meeting. So, okay. So he's having a business meeting and a camera shows up. We've talked about this. You've it was at a restaurant. Video. That's right. An old style video camera came under the door, pointed at me. Yes. No. That, oh my God. Oh, welcome That's... to America, everybody. That's my experience. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, that would never happen no. in Canada. It's not that the Canadian, <laughs> the design of the toilet stalls are any different, but a Canadian would never do that. <laughs> One would hope. <laughs> okay, so what would happen? What would Twitter do then? It would okay, Twitter would just back, take, take it down, say, oh, you're absolutely right. We will remove this for you. That was what they were promising to do about a week ago. Right. Okay. And just to be clear, Twitter's rules already prohibited the posting of private information like addresses, phone numbers, and medical records. If I did something incriminating that was newsworthy, if, for instance, I went up to Boris Johnson and I... Ah slapped mm-hmm. him with a custard pie or something like that. Mm-hmm. People were sharing that, and uh, I decided I didn't want people to share it. Would I then be able to say to Twitter, ah, 
Could you re- remove all of that off Twitter, please? I don't want that spreading around. Yeah, no, so interesting because it notes that the policy is not applicable to media featuring public fig- figures or individuals um, when the media and accompanying tweet are shared to the public. You know, like basically if if they deem, if Twitter deems that the uh, video or picture is of public interest and adds value to public discourse, they will allow it. Hmm. Oh, this is such a slippery slope. This is so slippery. Like, what about what about all the people that record the police officers, like in the U.S.? Right? Can the police officer then go and say, "Please take this down"? And what's mm-hmm. considered media? Is it is it you like somebody's phone, or do you have to have like badge credential that you're media? And what what about if someone constructed an, some ASCII art? of somebody would that be something which they'd have to take down <laughs> rather than a photograph wow i think that's going to be like a real problem that we have to watch out for i have a question for you twitter users on this okay so say someone leaked the famous pp tapes online alleged famous pp tapes online oh from right? the moscow hotel room yes right and say Mr. Trumpy, who is, as far as I know, currently a non-Twitter user due to banning, being banned yeah, from Twitter. Right. Would he be able to complain and request the takedown? Because how does Twitter verify his authenticity or... Well, yeah, I see what you mean. Basically, like if you're on Twitter, you'll be able to take down pictures. But if you're not, and maybe you have to be a verified user of Twitter. That was the other question I might have. Like that's maybe you might get extra service there, right? Because they definitely know who you are. It could be argued that such a tape would be of public interest, even though no one would really want. I am not interested in the PP tape. No, no, but the existence of it, proof of the existence of it. I don't need to see it. No, but no, I I agree. Look, no one wants to see. And by the way, it wasn't him doing the PP in. I have no idea. I don't want to talk about the PP. I was just. It was hired ladies, apparently. Were, were alleged to be the ones hey, who did the weeding. It's too already too much. All right. Anyway, the, th- the thing, the thing, the point is that I think the existence of such a tape would be of public interest, and it would be judged as such. Okay. So Twitter says the rule, this new rule, would help quote curb the misuse of media to harass, intimidate, and reveal the identities of private individuals, which disproportionately yeah. impact women, activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities. Well, that's the thing, because there are people who post up pictures Mm -hmm. of minority groups or of women and say vile things. And there should be some way of just saying, oh, for goodness sake, can we put a stop to this? Mm. This is where I I thought you might do your catchphrase, you know, what could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Sorry, whose voice is that? Sorry, it was yours. (laughs) Um, So for me, it'd be like, how do you police it right or if it's misused and uh that happened very quickly so it seems that activists are reporting that members of the far right are using the very this very policy to have accounts identifying them suspended like i don't know if this is definition of irony and you guys are probably smarter than me dinah you went to my alma mater Graham, that's university that's university (laughs) that's right oh right thank you what what do you mean uh, identifying them you mean accounts which are doxing them So in the days following the introduction of the new policy, a group of far-right activists reportedly began urging their followers on services like Telegram and Gab to file Mm. reports against anti-extremist accounts. As far as I'm reading, it's like it includes researchers, journalists, activists. The Washington Post says that these uh, far-right activists were coaching followers on how to use the new Twitter rule to persuade the social media platform to remove photos of them posted by anti-extremism researchers right. and journalists. Yeah, because social media was being used after the January 6th riots, wasn't it, at, at the Capitol to identify individuals? Although we saw it earlier, like way earlier, yeah. the Boston Marathon, we saw mm-hmm. loads of people, yeah. Mm-hmm. So due to the new privacy poly at Twitter, things 
now unexpectedly work in our favor, a far-right sympathizer wrote to followers on Telegram, and this is last Wednesday. He included a list of nearly 50 Twitter accounts and urged people to report them for suspension under the new rule. Another far-right activist shared tips on how to find potentially reportable images using Twitter search queries, such as images fascist exposed. Washington Post interviewed uh, Gwen Snyder. She's an anti-fascist researcher and organizer in Philadelphia. You mentioned Philadelphia earlier, Dinah. Um, And Snyder's Twitter account was suspended early Thursday after someone reported a 2019 tweet of hers. So this means Twitter weren't clear that this goes from this day forward, (laughs) right? This is like from all time. Oh, really? Like, well, isn't that interesting that someone reported a 2019 tweet of hers showing photos of a local mayoral candidate attending a public rally alongside the Proud Boys? You know what? I I think maybe... Maybe that should be the way it is. I think maybe if you're going to set a rule as to what is acceptable to post on Twitter, maybe you should be able to go back in time and say, actually, we've decided we're going to delete that old tweet because it's broken our rules. Okay. Do you think that Twitter have the manpower or the resources to manage this if it's for all time since they became? Well, they could hire these 900 people who've just been let go from (laughs) better.com. That won't make a dent, dude. (laughs) It's huge. Yeah. Who gets to decide which things get taken off and which stay on like brutal. Cause one time I had my, like, I don't even know what I did, but um, my Instagram account all of a sudden wouldn't let me post for 30 days. And I was like, I can't, there's no way to tell them. What did you do, Dinah? <laughs> I don't know. I posted like a whole bunch on one day, but like, it could just be that somebody didn't like the message I was sending. And then said I was, you know, doing doing something nefarious when really it, I wasn't. Um, but th- there's no way to get it back. Like, you just have to wait the 30 days out. It's horrible. You can't get a contact with anyone. Yeah. And can you imagine if you're a small business utterly dependent upon these services and you get blocked? Right. You're screwed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, Graham, Twitter lover, Dinah, Twitter lover, liker? Ah, uh, user. <laughs> Did Twitter bite off more than it could chew with this new rule, do you think? Oh, it always does. It's always shooting itself in the foot, isn't it? Or is it shooting for the stars? Is it shooting for the stars? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, I think it's trying to do a good thing. I think it's trying to differentiate itself from Facebook. Sorry, Meta. Meta. It's between between a rock and a hard place, isn't it? These sort of things are so difficult to do. you're never going yeah. to win, really, are you? And you can put in some rules which on the at first glance appear really good, but of course there are always ways to abuse them and to use them in other ways. And they just end up in this humongous mess. I think I think we should just probably shut down everything. I don't blame Twitter though on this. I kind of just think people are taking the piss. Like, do you do, I don't think it's their intention. I think the intention was good. It just maybe they didn't think through how it would get implemented and how it would be used, right? And I think, I think that's something that big tech mm. does a lot, right? They they think of you know the really positive outcome of of what their technology can do, and they don't they choose often not to think about what bad could be done with it, or they're just being very idealistic and they don't even I, consider I think they it. Just, right? They just look at the so, algorithm. They just think I can I can code around this, and there are some things you can't code around yeah. because you're dealing with you know, fleshy human beings. Yeah, exactly. Graham, you must be crying because Jack Dorsey's leaving soon and you love Twitter and aren't you worried about its future? <sighs> I don't care about Jack Dorsey. Oh, what I want you- is I want to pay for a Twitter account so I don't have any ads and I don't have any messing around with my timeline and I can use Twitter the way that I want to use it. So I'd be very happy. If you're listening, whoever's in charge now, Fading to black, fading to black, fading to black. (laughs) It's that time again when we're all thinking about plans for the upcoming year. Does your plan include making your team more productive and secure? 100,000 businesses use 1Password to secure employees at scale by encrypting their passwords and sensitive information and helping them get more done faster. That's why, for a limited time only, new customers can get 25% off the first year of 1Password business and find out 
how 1Password can boost productivity while protecting their most sensitive data. But you better act fast. This deal is only good until December the 16th, 2021. Find out more and claim your discount at onepassword.com. And thanks to 1Password for supporting the show. We are also sponsored by Upticks. Upticks is a cloud-native security analytics platform built to protect the modern attack surface. Upticks zeroes in on blind spots that are preventing you from identifying and responding to existing threats and vulnerabilities in your ecosystem. Plus, Upticks normalizes telemetry across macOS, Linux, Windows, and containers, records system activity for historical investigation even when no alert has fired, and enables you to build complex custom detections. In short, Uptix provides observability across both cloud workloads and endpoints in a single centralized platform. Visit smashingsecurity.com forward slash upticks. That's U-P-T-Y-C-S to learn more about its cloud native security analytics platform. And thanks to Uptix for sponsoring the show. And welcome back. And you join us at our favorite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. Doesn't have to be security related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security related. Um, In these simple days of mostly staying at home. I've been finding new ways to amuse myself. Oh, that sounds a bit perverted. Jesus. I did not join this this chat for this. <laughs> Aren't you lucky? Free. Mm, I'm feeling <laughs> very lucky right now. Yeah. <laughs> and one of the things that I have been doing, I've been occasionally engaging in the odd little crossword. And Shut I've been, up. I have. I have. I've like been cryptic doing, crosswords? Like proper ones? Well, that's the thing, Carol. <laughs> I haven't ah. had, but you know, sometimes it's been cryptic. Quite often it's been the quick one as well. So earlier I only had 20 minutes spare. So I did a quick, quick crossword from The Guardian. And I thought this is a lot of fun. So I was doing this and there was one where I was completely stumped. And I thought, what's the answer to that? I just can't work out what would fit in, what would fit in. And I found out that The Guardian had a little web page, a very slick web page. Where they put the answer, but you can type in your answers uh-huh. and you can press a button and it will say, eh, eh, or it will even, if you want, reveal an answer to you as well. And I thought this is terrific. And then I found out that they had an app as well, where I could see not only today's crosswords, but thousands and thousands of other crosswords, cryptic ones, cryptic, which are not sort of cryptic puzzles for beginners. I would argue, actually, Crow, that cryptic puzzles sometimes are easier than the quick puzzles. The quick right. passwords. Because with cryptic, you know if you've got it right. And you don't always know that with the quick. Sudoku as well. Anyway, they've got loads of them. There's an app. You can try it out for 14 days for free. You can carry on using it with one uh, and just do one crossword a day for free forever if you want. We can pay some money. But if you pay some money, you can also, if you have an online chum, you can actually complete the crosswords together, which is a lovely thing to do. Ah, and I so, see. And so that you're getting is help from my, somebody else. Someone else is basically no. coming up with all the hard ones. <laughs> and so that is my pick of the week: the Guardian crossword and the Guardian crossword app. Can I just tell you the Observer one is way easier? It might be a place to start. Yeah, I've done the Observer one as well. Because oh, right, have you completed the, any? The Observer is the Guardian on Sunday, isn't it? It's the Sunday edition. Well, the Guardian. Yes. A bit easier. Um, yes, I have completed. Some of them. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Have we lost Dinah? No, I'm, I'm still here. Okay. You just she's like just, she, crosswords. Just like, who cares? Yeah. Who cares? I can do that in my sleep. <laughs> like, she's like, thinking. No, no. What I'm thinking is, I can't think of something more not mind numbing to do than trying yeah. to do a crossword. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I like having my mind numbed. I enjoy that. I enjoy the the the. I I like it slow. I like it peaceful. I like my worth as original. <laughs> I enjoy something. I don't want any big shocks. Don't want any rude language. <laughs> Dinah, what's your pick of the week? Okay. So last few episodes, you know, Carl had pick of the year. You had uh, 
what was it, like pick of mm. the century or something with the the Beatles <laughs> yeah. thing. It's always bigger. Uh, yeah. I'm going with pick of the pandemic. Ooh. So um, during the pandemic in, in Canada, we were locked down for a long time, a very long time. And um, it's just my yeah. daughter and my husband and I, and we, we needed, we needed some laughs. And a friend of mine said, Hey, check out this show taskmaster. Now you have to understand. I know this is huge in the UK, but like yeah. nobody knows about it in North America. <laughs> it's not, yeah. this is not a big, big named thing at all in North America. So my husband says, okay, well watch the first episode, see if you like it. And then we can watch mm-hmm. it together. So I start watching it and I start laughing hysterically. And my daughter, my poor, like 12 year old daughter at the time comes down the stairs trying to fall asleep. And she's like, mom, what are you laughing at? And I'm like, you got to see this. And it's like the first episode ever where Tim key is like losing watermelon out of his face. And we just died laughing. Dinah, do you want to explain uh, what taskmaster is all about? People who haven't seen it. Absolutely. So it's basically a task show for comedians. So they get, they get like five or six comedians and they've got the taskmaster, which is Greg Davies and Alex Horn, who is like his, his little helper. And they do all of these random tasks. And then they have a show where they then show each other what they did. And Gray Davies like rates them and gives them points very arbitrarily. And so the, the best shows for me are the ones where they try to cheat and figure out a way to convince Greg Davies where that they're not actually cheating. Um, but we laughed hysterically. Like every mm-hmm. it gave us a laugh every single time. And last year at Christmas, um, it was the first time we could not spend Christmas with my sister and her kids. And that was, that was very difficult. Mm. And so my daughter was super into this. And I, and I kind of said to her, well, what if, what if we did our own taskmaster? And she was Ooh. like, what? And I was like, yeah, let's do our own taskmaster. I said, do you want to cool be the taskmaster? Idea, Dinah. Yeah. And so she said, yes. So she was the taskmaster and myself and my husband and my mom and my dad, we were the contestants and <laughs> And this child, like she just told us a list of things we had to buy. I was getting a little bit scared when, when on the list was shaving cream and sour cream. I was like, mm, what are those for? Um, and so, you know, I thought she'd give us like 10 tasks and they would take like, I don't know, a few minutes each. Oh no, this child really thought this through. So first we, of course we did the task where you have to bring something was shiny, something shiny. And then, and then we did you had to make slime and she knows I hate slime. I hate it. It's so yucky and gross. <laughs> and she made us make it. But the piece de resistance was the third task in which she pairs us up into teams. And then she goes, make me my favorite dessert. <laughs> so huh. she conned us into making huh. her desserts. <laughs> See, not, she got not a stupid kid. <laughs> so anyway, we ended up watching all 11 seasons. Frustratingly right now, we cannot watch the 12th season because it's not available in Canada. Oh. Um, if, if you're in um, North America or someplace else, you can watch um, seasons one through 11 on YouTube for free, but I don't know when or if they're going to release uh, season 12. And then quite hilariously, my office is now doing this. And so I have just become another participant of Taskmaster for a a secret little Christmas show we're doing for, for our team at our, at Arctic Wolf. Um, And I, and I got roped in again, but it, but it's great fun. Every single show resulted in a laugh, every single show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I can, I can vouch for Taskmaster. It's a great show. I think my husband's actually an amalgamation of Alex and Greg Davies, and they have a love child, and that's my husband, literally. I can totally see that. Yeah, right. That's amazing. No, but it's yeah, true. Yeah, it's true. It is true. It is. I've true. never thought of yeah. it before, but there you go. Crow, mm. what's your pick of the week? Okay, mine's very wacky. Okay, user Reddit user Dad of Lucifer. <laughs> posted a link to a github repo on reddit and it tickled me as so much so it's become my pick of the week so i'm literally going to read it okay quote okay so our build engineer has left for another company 
the dude was literally living inside the terminal. You know, the type of guy who loves film, creates diagrams in dot, writes wiki posts in markdown. If something, anything requires more than 90 seconds of his time, he writes a script to automate that. Okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're sitting here looking through his, um, quote, legacy, unquote. Okay? Number one, smack my bitch up, dot sh. Sends a text message late at work, okay, quote unquote, late at work to his wife. Automatically picks reasons from an array of strings randomly. The job fires if there are active SSH sessions on the server after 9 p.m. with his login. So he's written a script, tell his wife, oh, I'll be late. (laughs) Number two, kumarasshole.sh. Scans the inbox for emails from Kumar. He was a database admin at a client's. Looks for keywords like help, trouble, sorry, etc. If keywords are found, the script SSHs into the client server and rolls back the staging database to the latest backup. Then sends a reply, no worries, mate. Be careful next time. <laughs> oh my God, wow. how many times did that guy contact him? Right? <laughs> okay, I've got two more. Number three, hangover.sh. Another cron job that is set to specific dates sends automated emails like, quote, not feeling well slash going to work from home, unquote, etc. Adds a random reason from another predefined array of strings. Fires if there's no interactive sessions on the server at 8.45 a.m. So if he's late, he just has a random, he just doesn't have to get up and tell anybody. It just automatically happens. If he's sick, he just sleeps in, doesn't worry about it. Knows the notifications going out. Genius. And the Oscar, this is all written in this this GitHub link, fucking hyphen coffee.sh. This one waits exactly 17 seconds, then opens a telnet sessions to our coffee machine. We had no freaking idea the coffee machine was even on the network, runs Linux and has a TCP socket up and running and sends something like sysbrew. Turns out this thing starts brewing a mid-sized half-calf latte and waits another 24 seconds before pouring it into a cup. The timing is exactly how long it takes to walk from the machine from a dude's desk. <laughs> oh, that's genius. <laughs> that, that's amazing. That's amazing. Listener, <laughs> listeners, I have provided the links you require to see this and many more scripts that this particular individual apparently wrote. Um, if nothing, it will make you laugh. So... That is my pick of the week. Very fun. <laughs> well, that just about wraps up the show for this week. Dinah, I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online. What's the best way for folks to do that? Yep, on Twitter at Dinah underscore Davis or on LinkedIn at Dinah Davis. Super. And you can follow us on Twitter at Smash Insecurity. No G. Twitter will announce to have a G. And we've also got a Smash Insecurity subreddit. And don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode. Follow Smash Insecurity in your favorite podcast app, such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Huge shout out to this episode's sponsors, the fabulous One Password and Upticks, and to our wonderful Patreon communities. Thanks to them all, this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalog of more than 254-ish episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Carol, I may have made a slight error. Okay, where? Uh, with my uh, audio recording at my end. Um, All right, and so, you also dropped off ours, so great. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping Zoom got the first half of the recording before <laughs> I dropped off. Fantastic. I will stop recording and let's keep our fingers crossed. Note my okay. tone. Note my tone. Very calm. And this is about 12 hours later. I've just finished up the edit and we've made it despite audio snafus. Technology saw us through. So I got to say it. High five to Zoom.